Welcome to episode five of the Soulcast. It marks a very special occasion because it's our first guest appearance. Our guest today is one of my best, best friends, best and oldest friends. We grew up on the same street together. We adventured around the forests near our houses together growing up and just a great guy all around. Uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. What a poetic entrance. Well, you deserve it, mate. <laughs> this podcast, I thought we could talk about kind of how we grew up together, lessons we've learned along the way, as well as my friend being uh, his occupation is actor. So I thought he could talk about the role of breath, um, the lessons that he's kind of learned from acting in terms of pursuing his lifelong passion. Uh, I know that you had to make a lot of sacrifices to kind of make that happen. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start with how we know each other growing up in the same street? Yeah, we, um, it's been like 18 years now. I still remember the, time. the day we first met, but yeah, 18 years ago, you moved into the street. I was already living here and we pretty much hit it off right away. Um, right away. We both, yeah, just clicked really easy. You were older than me. We didn't go to the same school, but it was every weekend. And you remember the summer holidays? We just spent all of our time together. And, um, yeah, even during the week after school, yeah. we'd hang out. Yeah. Uh, I'm, like you said, I'm one year older. So I like to think that I've guided you somewhat <laughs> with my sage advice. <laughs> yeah, but, but we for sure helped each other throughout the way. Um, yeah, we, we have the kind of relationship I think it's important to have with your friends where you can kind of say to them and be honest, super honest about whether it's things in your friendship or maybe I'll comment on something that, that I think you're doing well at and praise you for, but also things that maybe I think you shouldn't be doing more of. What do you think? For sure, yeah. Um, no, we have a very good relationship in that if I need assistance, advice, anything I can go to you and I know it's not just going to be the run of the mill. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really good. It's always honest yeah. there'll always be some something constructive to come out of it I think as well there's it's a good relationship because it's very honest and I can rely on you when I need to but um, when I am not thinking straight or I am in not sound mind I'm not just going to be coddled and told Everything's gonna yeah. be okay. It's gonna. It's you don't. You don't want your close friends to be yes men, and what I mean by that is, you don't want them to blindly support everything you do. Obviously, you want friends that are gonna support your endeavors. And I'm, I try to be positive with all my friends and encourage them, but I'm. I'm also not going to lie and say, uh, yeah, bro. Uh, that's a good thing that you're doing when it's not. Mm. Uh, maybe it's a behavior that you should cut down or you're not trying hard enough in some area, but I think you need to kind of cultivate that relationship 
style in a way with your friends that you have. For sure. And I think from a distance that can seem really disingenuous. You know, it can seem like, well, you're not really friends then. But if anything for me, then I think it's more, um, I think it's definitely more, um, it's not like all we do is say, no, you shouldn't be doing that. No, you shouldn't be doing this. For the most part, we see eye to eye and we're both very supportive of what both of us do. But if there's ever something where, you know, with a friend that you're not so close with, you might kind of just smile and nod and think, yeah, that's okay. We will always um, speak our minds around each other. And I think that's a very good and healthy thing to have um, in your closest friends. Yeah, for sure. You know? Well, enough bro love. <laughs> Let's get into your, let's start with the kind of path you've taken with acting. Yeah. I know it was a, it's a long, has been a long process of, mm. of many years, mm. but maybe articulate a bit what either started the passion when you realized you had this passion and in a, in a more general sense, how you overcame that first hurdle of maybe starting to act because mm. I know there's a lot of stigma around the classic oh you want to be an actor yeah um, yeah nice one bro like it's, it's it seems like a bit of a a fantasy career in a way and I'm, I yeah. don't say that in a bad way but it's like in terms of the percentage of people that truly make it uh, it can be very daunting mm -hmm. to people that maybe are nervous about starting or committing so in a general sense how did you get over those nerves and pursue your passion so i started off the traditional route which was what my parents wanted me to do as you know i went to university i got a degree did the regular the regular thing and i worked using my degree for a few years um but the whole yeah. time even when i was at university in the back of my mind, I always wanted to pursue acting. Um, it was always where my passion was. I wouldn't go home and study as much as I should have because I was going home and watching a lot of stuff and um, reading a lot of acting related things. And I just always wanted to do it, but it had always been something that was... That's for the people on the screen. Actors are actors and it's this weird outlandish thing that I can't achieve. And it eventually got to the yeah. point where it just became stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, I was working a job that I enjoyed, but I was, the only thing I was thinking about was acting and having done bits and pieces, I wanted to focus on it more. So I started a number of years ago now, but I started just with classes and things like that and kind of built up, built up um, more classes, got a better skill set, um, eventually got picked up by an agency and it all kind of went from there. So I guess the um, getting over the the stigma of it all, um, it, was, it was never really a big deal for me. I thought um, just because I cared about it so much, I didn't really care what people thought. Um, I did care about what um, my parents thought and I'll touch on that a little bit um, but for the most part people were kind of just yes men about it like you said before like I told my friends and a lot of them were like oh that's you know they just gave me that oh that's really great smiled and then didn't really talk about it anymore like a lot of people kind of didn't take it so well when I told them that it was what I was pursuing um, mm -hmm. but you know for me 
it was what I really wanted to do and I didn't care. And when I was doing it, I was really happy. So I didn't care that the money wasn't so good or I didn't care what people thought because I was really, really happy. And up until that point of having, um, up until that point where I wasn't pursuing it, I just felt like I wasn't doing what I was meant to do or doing um, something yeah. productive that I really wanted to do. Um, so that was what really kind of drove me was just the desire and the process of acting and learning about it was what really kept me going and made me um, not care Initially about what people take that leap. For sure. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just loved it so much. And I will briefly touch on as well the stigma of it. Um, you know, and I'll chat about parents as well. The, the stigma, it is what it is. When you're around other actors, the stigma's not... People don't talk about it. They just talk about the work. Um, but when the, the main thing for me was telling my very traditional parents that's what I wanted to do. Um, initially, they thought I was very stupid and that it was a bad idea. But when they saw I was serious about it, um, and when they saw I started getting paid work, um, when they saw I started getting signed for things, um, getting good auditions, um, they uh, slowly came around to it. Um, took my dad a while. Uh, but he is now super supportive and it's again I'll just quickly say this last bit he doesn't have one of those dads who would say that he was proud of me for, for doing that kind of thing it's just not what he wouldn't say it to me but I picked him up one day from a bar with his with his friend he was out drinking and I so I picked him up from the bar and um, his mate said so your dad was telling me you know you're doing acting that's awesome I think that's really really good um, and I was talking to his friend about it and dad jumped in every now and then and said, oh, you know, I wish you'd get a real job, this and that. Um, <laughs> and, so typical and, and, of the traditional dad. Yeah. Uh, and he was very kind of negative, negative in a joking way, but it was a bit negative, you know? And his friend goes, yeah, you know, I don't know why he's acting like this. The last two hours he was bragging about how proud he is of you for chasing your dreams and you know, so that's when I kind of knew that, um, you know, the people whose opinion I did care about was my parents, my mum, my dad. They'd kind of come around. So uh, they they saw that. Yeah, I, that's always good. They saw that I was happy and um, I was doing what I wanted to do and I was serious about it. So getting over the stigma that was the kind of, you know. Yeah, I I think the first bit in pursuing any passion that's let's say untraditional and doesn't follow the institutional guidelines that the current society prevails in current society the first bit is the hardest and is the bit where you get the most shit from friends and family and also the the first bit where you're trying to find your feet it doesn't seem like you're progressing as quick but all of that is necessary to make mistakes it's it's the kind of idea that everyone will shit on you until you find any some level of success and then they'll come around and be like oh that's so cool now now i'll support you now that it's like safe to kind of support you and i think it's important for everyone to realize that that happens no matter what you try and pursue creatively uh outside of the norm and it's really important not to let that get to you for sure because otherwise you'll never get started and you have to have this impenetrable bulwark of a mind in a way otherwise 
especially now with social media and, and those things with outside influences on your creative talents or career whatever you choose to kind of pursue if you let other people decide your path that's just straight up uh, a way to become unhappy in life i think that the only way you can achieve this idea of success is to analyze what your success is and your success will be different from bob down the road success you know his values are going to be different to your values so kind of taking stock of what you want to achieve in your life whatever that is and relentlessly pursuing that to get to your level of success is how you should frame it and if you've never sat down and analyzed what you actually want you've just been kind of floating through having decisions made for you <clears throat> i think it's important to analyze what you want and kind of have a framework of how to get there and then daily putting in the work for that so in terms of developing your acting skill what routines or or tips and tricks i guess would you advise to people that are looking to build a, a skill that's quite in depth like acting mm. uh in a more general sense how did you structure yeah. doing the work and the practice and how did you get into that it's a lot of it is there's a lot of crossover between learning any skills uh obviously but acting is obviously right. very niche um so one thing that i found very useful was i would always wherever possible in the acting world in the voice world in the um just the speech and, and, and dialects well. exactly i always try to yeah. surround and have people around me who know much more about it than i did um there are a lot of people who weren't as good as me but there were even more people who were much much better than me um in every regard acting voice accent singing so those were the people when i went to classes were always the ones that i tried to gravitate to the ones you know you'd watch them and you'd be like wow they're really really good i would yeah. always try and kind of um learn from them speak to them um, um network with them kind of get their insights on things because the thing with acting and the creative kind of industry and even like business and those kinds of things as well but especially acting is that there's no one correct way of doing it everyone has their different ways of of, of singing and performing um and mm -hmm. so bringing in as much stimulus as you can and seeing how many different ways there are of doing it um to kind of see what works for you and add to your technique is really important um yeah so i kind of tried to that was the first thing is i tried to just get as much information in as i could from as many different sources um but it was just routine as well there is stuff that you just have to put in the work behind the scenes that people will not ever see um yeah. but it's about being prepared um in my opinion the best performers or the best people in whatever field it is are the most prepared um and it gets really easy to let that slip let the the foot off the throttle but um you just have to get consistent and realize that even though the work you're doing now might not feel like um is making a change um it's making you prepared because you never know when work's going to come so 
you have to be prepared for that call to be like, hey, can you get here in an hour for this audition? Or hey, you know, there's an interview in an hour and you have to be ready. You have to be on form, ready to go. Um, so yeah, exactly. it's, it's a consistency thing. Um, every single day, some voice exercise, try to do physical exercise as well to keep the body in shape, keep the mind in shape and just keeping the blade sharp with acting, doing a lot of reading. Um, you know, I'll do some voice exercises every single day and at least some accent exercises every single day um, and I will throughout the days as well pick up um, books, uh, poetry, you know, whatever it may be, um, read it, work on it, um, do character building exercises and just consistently, um, you know, working on the craft. Yeah, awesome. I wanted to comment on something there that you mentioned this idea of learning from people that are better than you I think some people have a bit of a, an issue with letting their ego in the way they don't want to admit being wrong they don't want to admit that perhaps what they're doing is not the best way whatever that is mm. so I think this idea that you can kind of say okay i actually i may know some things but in terms of the grand scheme of things when you're first starting out i i don't know anything in a way mm. and that's a good mindset to carry forward because then you're not closed off to possible lessons you if you make a mistake that's an option to an opportunity to go okay that's that didn't work that time what can i do next time to make sure that it does work and who can i consult to improve in this way and if if you externalize the reason you make the mistake in terms of oh i only fucked up that audition because you know i, I didn't sleep well the night before or i was in a you know I, there's something external to your performance when you when your mistake is put on that you can never change internally to be better so it's important to realize that and always learn basically whatever you're learning, whether it's acting or, or whatever else. For sure. It's humility, right? That's the way I always think of it. You have to be humble. Yeah. Um, you can always learn more. Um, yeah. And even if you become very proficient in your skill, there's always some things you can learn. I'm, I'm learning stuff all the time. 100%. You need to um, go into it with an open mind. Um, and, and, and the same thing as well, you know, even I said, you know, those people who weren't as good as me, but I can still learn off of them. Um, they might do something yeah. that I could improve on. You just have to be humble yeah. and go into it with an open mind and never, um, you walk, you can't walk into a, into a room and think, you know, I'm the best here. You have to really be yeah. willing to learn and take in that information and process it and get, become better from it. Yeah. Agreed. I do have okay, a I, I do have a funny story. Alright. I um so we'll have to cut that blank space. What are we at? Tw yeah, yeah, twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah, twenty minutes, three seconds. I did a um I did a casting workshop one time. And basically casting workshops is where big casting directors from all over the country kind of fly in and they kind they scout out talent. And so they come in and they they're called casting workshops and it's meant to just be like teaching you how to audition but you know things like that get better in auditions yeah. and but what it really is is they go to the state they see if there's any talent that they want to pick up 
Um, anyway, so we walked in there and I was, I was pretty nervous. I remember being pretty nervous because it is kind of like an audition and getting in front of big name casters who, 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 who cast for massive TV shows, massive movies, those kinds of things. Mm. And I did, we kind of got put into an order and there were people all the way from uh, 16, like teenagers, all the way up to like 50 year olds who, who were who were in this workshop, right? And basically the way it worked is we would get up in front of the camera, do our thing, sit down, get feedback. That was it really. Um, but it was a networking thing and it was, it was, it was cool. It was a good kind of um, experience. Anyway, I was waiting for my turn and the person in front of me was a 16 year old girl. Um, and the person after me was some, you know, uh, one of my friends, like a 20, unimportant, but this 16 year old girl in front of me got up and I was just like, you know, whatever, she'll do her thing. And she was just like insane. Like she did this scene and it was crazy. And like, everyone was like, wow. Like, and the, gobsmacked, and, and yeah. the gobsmacked and the casting director was like, wow, that was the way they did it was like, you know, you do your scene and then the, the. Um, casting director would be like, okay, I'll give you some feedback and um, you know, do it again with, with my feedback. And this 16 year old girl did her scene and the casting director was like, that was perfect. Like I, I can't give you any feedback at all. Like she was like, it was, that was inc <laughs> incredible. Um, anyway, this girl ended up like getting, signing off this, spoke to some people, yada, 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 signed with like a pretty good um, agency afterwards. And I remember getting up and having to follow that and it was like the most <laughs> hum hum humbling experience of like this 16 year old girl who like had been acting. She said, you know, oh yeah, I've been acting. She was like really shy. Yeah, I've been acting for like a year and a half. And then she wow. popped up, just did this insane audition, started like crying and like, it was just crazy. Um, and then I, I'm like up in front of the camera and I'm like, have to do you know say my name say my age and i was just i cannot believe i have to it was the most like, humbling experience of like this little girl popped up just stole the show and it was like well you know i guess that's how it goes but yeah that happens it, i guess kind of kind of shows how these people are um you know you you can just because she'd only been acting for a year and a half and she was like 16 years old insane actress you know and i learned from that well, i guess there are some geniuses out there yeah uh, I wanted to also bring up, you mentioned about putting in the work behind the scenes. Things where there are technical skills involved, whether that's singing or acting or learning your lines, things like that, where it's an essential part of an audition or if you're a, say you're a surgeon, learning the actual skill of, you know, the feeling of sewing up a a cut or something like that when you're practicing those things over and over to the point where they become automatic then you can bring in this artistic flair right maybe less so in the surgery bad example perhaps but in terms of learning your lines if you know your lines so well that it's impossible for you to forget them because you've put in the work then you can really take them to a different place and, and play with them a bit more and let that inner artistic flair come out. So do you think that's that's relevant? And could you comment on that? Sure. Learning lines is an interesting thing. 
because there's definitely a balance. Some actors, Anthony Hopkins is one, um, he swears by learning your lines to the point of being automatic. Um, and then from there, you kind of play the scene and you do what you do from there. Some people, I know like um, Johnny Depp, when he was doing Pirates of the Caribbean, had oh, had a fantastic character. Yeah, had a um, earpiece in and he got fed his lines and he didn't know his lines for the most part. Um, yeah. So it's it's a technique thing, and uh, it depends on the on the actor really. Um, I think the issue with if you learn your lines too much, it becomes rigid, and you kind of you have one way of doing the scene, and then you you know um, when your line is, uh, you know you've practiced it, you've got one way of saying it. Um, so I think if you learn your lines too much, it becomes can become rigid and there's a lack of flexibility and if your director says oh you know what can we try it like this it's harder to kind of move and 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 be mm. natural um i yeah. am an advocate of kind of that middle ground of you definitely know your lines however you're not um you know in maybe a couple well, months time i wouldn't be able to recite them again because that it takes away that natural feeling the main thing about it is you want it yeah, to be you don't want natural. to be robotic exactly so you have to stay flexible and stay um um, you know, malleable and able to kind of, if the director's not happy, you have to be able to change it up. And I think if you learn your lines too much, um, that can be quite difficult to do. And of course, on the flip side to that, if you do the Johnny Depp and you've got the earpiece in, um, sometimes you just look like you have no idea what you're doing. But I guess that kind of fit Jack Sparrow quite well, you know? So Yeah, that character can kind of get away with being a Lucy crazy goose, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... What about let's maybe let's shift gears a little bit. Mm. Uh, one of the main topics of this of the soul cast is health and fitness, mm. obviously training, lifting weights, mm. and your path of getting into that world has been a bit interesting. I know you had a a bit of a, a health condition which affected, mm. you know, properly getting into that world. So maybe for people that are having trouble sticking to that or are just interested in, in how you first got, you know, properly now that you're cemented into training regularly and eating properly and mm. and maybe just comment on the struggles you had with that and how you got over them. Sure. Um, my, I will say, to begin with, my issue was always consistency. Part of it was, yeah. um, I think, laziness. Um, but yeah, consistency was always my issue. So once I got into... I, th I think part of it for me was a, a process of maturation and kind of figuring out that if I want something, I have to be very disciplined and I have to work harder than most people are willing to work. So that was kind of a mental barrier for me to overcome. If I'm going to do... Yeah this acting thing it's super hard there's tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people who don't make it and I need to give myself the best chance to do that so it was kind of yeah. a mental barrier that I needed to overcome um, but I suppose me getting into fitness part of it was a uh, just a general well-being thing now that I'm into it I don't have any back pain anymore I don't get headaches anymore yeah. which is which is which is great um, but yeah, you did say I had some health issues, um, which 
to put it short, basically my I had a uh, autoimmune condition and uh, my body was releasing too many um, too many hormones that were affecting my uh, metabolism. Basically, my resting heart rate was really, really high. Um, Man, I remember when you first showed me your resting heart rate. I was like, "Holy my shit!" My resting heart rate was like <laughs> one twenty. Yeah, it was. Cra- it was like that's insane. Double what it was supposed to be. And so I went to the doctor, and he was like, "Yeah, that's not good. We got it sorted." And it, and it, <laughs> it ended up to put it short. Yeah, it ended up taking just because like we tried some medicines, and I was allergic to one of them, and then it went away, and then I relapsed, and it came back. So we had the surgery, and that was about a two-year process where I couldn't really train. Um, because my um, the specialist advised that if I was training and it was it was just putting a lot of strain on my heart um, and a lot of strain on mm. on my body um, just because my resting heart rate was 120 and I would train and I would be at like 200 beats per minute just after a warm up you know so yeah. I, I couldn't train I was putting too much stress on on my heart but I was get I got back into it um, when that all got sorted and it all kind of fell into place quite nicely. I got into a consistent um, regime. I was eating better. Um, I couldn't really drink anyway because of um, the medicine that I was taking. So I wasn't drinking much. Uh, and, you know, health issues like that, when you don't have the ability to work out and you don't have a choice but to eat well, uh, it makes it pretty easy when you are finally able to do that stuff again and it makes you realize that um you're pretty lucky and you're very fortunate and you don't take it yeah. for granted so finding that regime yeah it was a no-brainer it made me feel better my physically i felt better mentally i felt better um and it all kind of just fell into place for me the eating healthy was part of the requirements of, of treatment and, and looking after myself so it was a no-brainer yeah. um and it all fell into place yeah so a couple of things there you mentioned about your back pain Mm. a lot of people that don't exercise and they don't strengthen the muscles when you get back pain it's it's actually an indication that some area of your body is weak Mm. Uh, if you're sitting down all day with your back up against a chair usually you're you're slouched forward as well which puts more strain on the lower back doing simple deadlifts and just some kind of consistent back exercise where you're tensing the muscle and, and straightening up and it it really goes a long way uh, people think oh i have back pain and they just think that that's them for life uh when i can say that depending on what back pain it is some combination of back strengthening exercises as well as stretches that a lot of people don't realize that sometimes uh, weak and tight hamstrings uh, actually can cause back pain in the way that it's all connected there. Mm. So depending on what is wrong with you, there, there are ways to mitigate that, that you can do yourself. You don't have to have a physio. You, you can just kind of Google your issues. I'm not saying take the advice of any random web page, you know, do your research, but if you have a, a pain, uh, it's it's quite relatively simple in terms of searching and researching what is causing it and then exercises that you can do and as long as, again, you do them consistently, you can fix your pain. And once you're back strong, you, it, it can kind of, your posture can be uh, straight up and you, you don't get those those pains that you're, that you're used to. So 
just wanted to mention that to people. Um, we were talking earlier about breathing and how important that is for both health and fitness on my end, as well as acting on your end. Mm. So what would you say about breath control? What have, what have you learned and, and kind of how that impacts maybe your emotional state and, and how you can mm. bring those certain emotions to the to the forefront perhaps if you have an emotional scene or or something like that so why don't you delve into that a bit sure that was funny that's why i'm actually on the podcast because you finished your first one and you sent it to me and asked for feedback on your breathing <laughs> your breathing and your voice and you're like hey that could actually be a good thing for me to yeah come on and talk about so yeah the um um well obviously the breath is our life force, right? Like that's what keeps us yeah. going. Um, and there's a ton of application for breath throughout all walks of life. Like you're saying with fitness and training, the breath is super important. You know, when you're heavy lifting versus when you're stretching, you know, there's differences between the breath, um, mm -hmm. with, with lifting and, and stretching. And of course that's the case with, um, performance and acting and singing as well. So the thing I like to talk about with breath for people to understand the importance of it is it's the foundation for a lot of, of it's a foundation for so much of, of what we do, not only in performance, but obviously in real life and with our speaking and everything. But from an acting perspective, most if not everything is either based on um, breath and speech or the phys the baseline physicality of a character, which is the walk and the, their kind of posture and the, the way they hold themselves. Um, the body language, yeah. Exactly. Um, and some examples that I always like to talk about with that are, you think of some of the best characters, their physicality is... is crazy but their voices are also really crazy as well um so you know the cliche one is the joker heath ledger's joker his voice is is that trademark and it's one of the reasons why people are so drawn to him but he's also got that very unique body posture in the way his eyes work and the way he walks and, and kind of the walk around. the walk is iconic yeah um another good one as well i've recently been binging um peaky blinders and tommy shelby his voice Great show. yeah mr shelby mr shelby yeah, his, his voice, it's from an acting perspective, when you're building a character, you start with the voice and you start with the, the walk as well. That's a really important thing. So I guess the, the application and the mentality around breath, um, crying is, is the technique stems from breathing. Uh, part of it is a lot, a lot of people, it's easier for girls. Um, but a lot of people will try and, <laughs> will try and um, draw from uh, a sad memory. It, it's called the technique is called as if. So the 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 an actor might say, "Well, I need to think as if my daughter died. I need to think as if my you know." And that that training is to kind of access that memory and train yourself to feel that emotions as if it's happening. Um, mm -hmm. but part of it is 
and I think the best way to do it is is through breath and you can control your emotions through your breath um, so you know when you were a kid and you were crying and you would get that like <laughs> that kind of <laughs> that yeah, crying breath, breath. <laughs> yeah 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 that is like a very <laughs> You can probably even try it. Like you do it for like 30 seconds to a minute before a scene and like your eyes start welling up. Like it's a very um, powerful technique. And I guess it, it must just be like this, this like primal thing in our brain to like connect the, the tear ducts with that type of breathing. That's an example that I like to use. Um, and then there's, of course, we all know the calming effects of, of breathing. You know, you slow, deep kind of 70, 75% lung capacity and just relax and let that air out it has a really calming effect for when you're stretching or when you're cooling down after a workout. Um, we all know the effects of that hard, um, deep, powerful breath in and that quick, those sharp breaths, how that can raise your heart rate and, and, and get you going. And another thing I like to talk about with the mentality of breathing is, sure, the listeners have heard of Wim Hof, Wim Hof, excuse me. His, the Iceman. The Iceman, yeah, his breathing techniques and how he, it's mind over body, he throws himself into these sub-zero freezing temperatures on the back of his breathing and meditation techniques. So it's a super, it's a um, really, really important um, thing to kind of grasp for everyday life, how important breath is for, for yeah. um, you know, everything and its application is super important. Um, yeah, I guess. So, sorry, I the guess, whim. You go it's on. all right. You go. I was just going to say. I think the main thing for me with breath, and especially voice, which I think we'll touch on a bit. But when you focus on your breath, it keeps you in the moment, and I think that's really important. We get to a point where where we just autopilot, uh, but focusing on breath and and meditating and just being aware of what you're doing stops you from waking up, getting in your car, going to work, doing your thing, and then coming home before you know what the day's over. You know, I think mm. when you have something to focus on, it really does keep you in. Keeps you grounded. Exactly, yeah. So the, the Wim Hof breathing, I think, is important uh, to touch on because it's actually been scientifically shown to reduce inflammation in the body. Uh, so if anyone is, is keen on... Uh, maybe just feeling better overall, accessing those different mind states. Just just YouTube Wim Hof breathing. I know there's a few guided breathing videos that he has on there. Something to try before bed or whenever um, is a great tool to kind of incorporate in terms of your building your health and fitness. Another comment that I would say about the breath is there are a few little tips that I have for, for breathing, one of which is to breathe through the nose, but imagine that you're trying to breathe through a hole in your trachea, kind of in the front of your neck. So if you do that, it's, it's almost instantly noticeable the way that your airway opens up. So you imagine you're a, a heavy smoker or something and you have one of those holes cut out in the middle of your trachea. So Breathing in, trying as if there was a hole there, is a great mental cue for opening up the airways there. Do you feel the difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a great tool to do. Another one is to 
mew. And mewing is the concept of placing your tongue completely on the roof of your mouth and, and pushing up, almost like you're supporting the inside of your head there. And if, if you're raising the entire level of your tongue, even right at the back, to push up against the roof of your mouth, what I find is that when you do that, the breathing through your nose becomes clearer in a way. It, there's less air escaping down through the mouth that way. And try doing that in your next cardio session. I find I can breathe for longer uh, and, and I get less puffed doing that. And it feels feels more natural, like obviously, the longer you can push that in only breathing through your nose, when you do eventually get so tired that you have to breathe through your mouth, that's almost like a, a second level of oxygen intake. Uh, so if you force yourself to only breathe through the nose, that, that gets more optimized. Uh, and I think it helps for cardio activities. Another point is to conceptualize breathing as a less of a less of a like a nose mouth and throat thing which we, we tend to believe that because that's where the air is coming in that's where the the breathing is done but it's actually pretty much all your diaphragm uh your intercostal muscles your ribs that expansion of the rib cage and then the release as well so so really intellectualizing that as that's where your breath is coming from that kind of full body expansion of the of the abdomen and and your lungs and really focusing on trying to expand your rib cage and and increase the volume of the lungs that's that's where the movement of the breath comes from so consciously shifting your kind of breathing consciousness in a way to that area of the body i think is important as well and obviously, the more that you practice at it, the more you are conscious of it, the more it becomes an unconscious thing. And you're going to see improvements to your breath. You're going to see improvements to your cardio capacity. Um, the other thing is when you breathe like that is that your your speaking voice is going to be a lot more projected. So you can, you can speak from the stomach really loudly like I am now. And it kind of resonates a bit more. But then you can also talk up high and it's it's less it's got less oomph and uh, maybe you can comment on that difference and and how that relates to mm. acting and and if you've noticed that as well sure that is something else i wanted to talk about was voice i think when you control the breath the next thing to kind of work on or the natural step from that is is voice and it's super important. It's one of the most underutilized things, I will say, um, is our voice. And a lot of people don't um, realize it. I think from a performance uh, perspective, early on, a lot of the advice I was given is get into voice training and you don't know why until you start doing it. But it's my voice two years ago was terrible it's still not great but i'm getting better and i'm still working on it but it's likened to a athlete works out in the gym a performer has to work out their voice it's bread and butter stuff the yeah. the but for me it's been such an important thing for life as well um 
we don't realize it, but I think it's one of those intangible things that, or it definitely is, it's one of those intangible things that draw us to people, you know, when, yeah, with, with girls or with just people in general, when, you know, the freight, you know, I just, I just like him. I don't know why I just like him. I think voice is, um, definitely part of that. It's one of those, those again, like those deep things in our head that just draws us to people. It's yeah. The, well, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a basic indicator of testosterone levels as well, in a way, like not consciously, but in general, the mm. guys that have the higher testosterone are more masculine they tend to have deeper voices. That's mm. just the effect of testosterone levels on the vocal strings, mm. uh, the vocal cords. Uh, so whether or not everyone's conceptualizing it, in general, uh, it's more attractive for a man to have the the deeper gravelly voice like mm. this. Mm. Um, and then girls, obviously, the more feminine, higher voice. Uh, so so they're both kind of sexually sexual characteristics in a way that maybe you're not conscious of so mm. taking steps to improve your voice in a way uh and being conscious of that is a is a great way to become more attractive just in general to people if, if you're a confident public speaker and you have the control of your voice that's going to go a long way in improving your career prospects mm. uh many many other things that and the voice isn't really talked about in that way so definitely good to think about in that sense i don't even think as well i don't even think it's as much obviously depth of voice and and for ladies the the kind of height of their voice is is quite important but i think it's to do with like that full that full um sounding voice um which is which is what a lot I'd say 90% of people can work on. I, especially since having yeah. started it, it's just something now that I pick up on a lot, but you see mm. it all the time with people who just, they might have a deep voice, but they're very, you know, they talk on their throat and they're quite, you know, yeah. they're, they're quite lazy with it. And it, to me, it's, it's like a, um, it's just one of those things that needs to be incorporated into, um, your your life you know when you are confident you look people in the eyes you have a strong good projected voice you're not lazy with with the way you sound and you enunciate and you give every word it's it's time and it's value um when when you're speaking i think it's such an important thing professionally i think it's such an important thing personally and multiple people could it's a it's a not even unless you're glaringly terrible sounding with your voice it's just a awareness thing of you know you stand tall you look people in the eyes and adding on to that you don't talk with your throat imagine the best way i can think of it is imagine the sound touching the back of your teeth or imagine you're a cartoon with the big speech bubble out in front of you when you're talking there's a big speech bubble out in front of you project your voice forward and it's a mindfulness thing you you you're you're aware of it and it just becomes eventually part of the way you yeah, sound and the way you talk. it becomes automatic once you yeah. focus on it and, and commit it to memory. Same mm. with the breathing thing, really, mm. I guess. Another thing about the breath that I think I should mention was its role in meditation. The simplest act of meditation that I would recommend to anyone would be to just bring your awareness to the breath. And what that means is to feel the breath come in and out, the coolness, 
as it's coming in and the feeling when it's leaving you. And that simple act alone of, of bringing your awareness and attention to the breath is meditation. When you have thoughts pop into your mind that take you away from the breath, just come back to the notion of the breath. This is the simplest way of meditation that I recommend to anyone kind of starting getting their feet wet in the world of meditation is to sit in a comfortable position. Think about how the breath feels. Think about really bringing it deep into your body. Thinking about bringing oxygen into all areas of your body. And if you get taken away from being conscious of the breath, which will happen, happens to everyone, thoughts will pop up into your mind and try and take you down the rabbit hole of, of that thought, whether that's a thought about work and what you need to do next or just a, a negative thought about something that's happened to you. Whenever you find yourself following the thought down, just go, oh, you nearly got me. Coming back, boom. I'm thinking about the breath again, deep breaths. But, and also the other thing is not to chastise yourself and be like, ah, oh, damn it. I, I, I lost track of the breath again. You know, the, the thoughts that come in are very powerful in trying to pull your attention away. Uh, but this is a skill that if you are consistent again, and even 10 minutes a day, like anyone can fit 10 minutes a day in. And there's that classic thing of, if you think you're too busy for meditation, that's when you need to meditate. So just sitting down, being aware of the breath, being aware of the feeling coming into your body and delivering oxygen everywhere that it needs is a great way to calm yourself down and kind of get into the world of meditation. It's accessible anywhere. You don't need any special meditation music or chants or things. Uh, so if you're interested in that, try that out. Um, otherwise, this has been a great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I want to thank my friend for coming on the podcast. I'm sure uh, he'll be back again. Um, Thanks for coming. Not at all. Thanks for having me. All right. That'll do us for episode five. Um, see you next time.